Hello, peeps and geeks. Welcome to the brand new episode of SketchCast in April, aka Autism Awareness Month or Autism Acceptance Month. Either way, it's great to be alive as someone on the spectrum. And speaking as someone on the spectrum, my guest for tonight is another close friend on the spectrum, Gloomy Punks, aka Danny Cloverflick. Say hi, Danny. Hello. What's new in Virginia? I just got my vaccine, so I'm pretty happy about that. We talked about that earlier. Nice. Oh, man. I I really hope that uh, the vaccines are are going a lot smoother over the past few few months now. Yeah, it seems like everything's going pretty smoothly, um, on my end at least. That's good. But this specific podcast will kind of delve into Danny's artwork and... Uh, her being on the spectrum, which I find very fascinating as someone who is. And for those listening who are also on the spectrum, you'll probably get some interesting insight too. But before we go into to that, Danny, would you mind telling us a little bit about who you are and what you do professionally? Well, I am an illustrator and sequential artist. I do comics for middle grade and young adult audiences. And I also illustrate for, like, music and stuff. I've done a couple of album covers. And I am obviously autistic as well as bisexual. Oh, cool. Wait a minute. Pride Month is in two months. Doesn't matter. You can can celebrate it any day. Yeah. (laughs) So going into the arts, um, what exactly inspired you to pursue a path into illustration, be it comics or any other form of graphic cartooning? Well, comics were always, like, the biggest thing in my family. Like, my dad, being a cartoonist, um, he would always take me to comic conventions and comic book stores, and he kind of, like, taught me how to draw when I was little. And I didn't even think about being an illustrator. Like, I was so focused on, like, comics, 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 until I had gotten a portfolio review from... Micah and it was like a portfolio day review they came to my community college and they were like hey you'd be like a really good fit for the illustration program and I had never even thought about doing that as a career until then and then I signed up for the illustration program and I learned a whole bunch of stuff along the way well that's cool what community college was that because I I didn't go to a community college necessarily before coming into Micah, but I did go to, to like another like smaller associate's degree school prior. Right. So I went to Northern Virginia Community College. It's like a bunch of different community colleges around the Northern Virginia area. Mm-hmm. So they had like an applied arts program, which is basically like a tinier illustration program. Oh, um, cool. And it helps you get into colleges like Micah. Oh, cool. I, yeah. I don't know if, if you got in through Micah via, um, not to, not to, to, to like pat my first college on the, the back or anything, but like plenty of other students were actually able to get into Micah through what's called an articulation agreement. I, I don't know if NVCC had that or anything. Just curious is all. Uh, no, they don't. They have one of those for GMU or George Mason University, but I had to like work really hard to get to Micah. Oh, I know so many of us did. <laughs> yeah. But it's okay, though. I know, like, whenever people talk about, like, the, the, the college experience and they come in as, like, you know, straight out of high school, it's actually a little more rare than people who go into to those prestigious colleges when they're young adults. 
Yeah, I I found that there were so many people people who just like went to Micah straight out of college, but I was coming from like community college, so I was a little bit older, and there were a bunch of like transfer students as well, obviously. Right. Um. So I, I tended to get along better with the transfer students than the people who went straight out of high school. I think I did too, among others. It, it's interesting though, like you look at like so many people who come in as transfers. I've always said that you hear a lot more interesting tales from students transferring into certain colleges because they have their other backgrounds that are a bit more distinctive than just like, I was about to graduate high school and then I picked this college, you know? Like, I, there's so many people I've known who got married, had kids, and then were like, fuck it, I'm going to get a bachelor's. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Do you get that experience a lot with community colleges? I was in a classroom with like a lot of older people like from my neighborhood and stuff that were going back to school to get an associates in a new field. Oh, cool. Yeah, it was really cool. And some of these people have watched me like grow up and stuff too. And then we're sitting in class for classmates. Oh, cool. You tend to learn a, a bit more from uh, your peers anyway, because I, I think even some peers from uh, my first college, the Delaware College of Art and Design transferred in, so some of which are still there, some of which are kind of gone, but it's interesting where um, a lot of those places sort of take us. Yeah. So with that in mind, uh, what else were you interested in before Micah came in and you said, hey, try this out? Well, I was always interested in sequential arts. I just didn't know that I could make illustration into a career. I was always like, I'm going to be a comic book artist. I'm going to work for Marvel. I'm going to work for DC. Well, honestly, it was like, I'm going to work for DC. And then uh, maybe I'll work for Marvel. Why don't you work for Dark Horse? Because Dark Horse is just DC. (laughs) Dark Horse is a subsidiary of DC that tells all their Elseworlds stuff. And then Image Comics is a totally different independent thing. Ah, I see. So uh, comics aside, any particular comics you remember growing up that kind of stuck out to you? Yeah. um, So when I went to my first comic convention, it was because I was getting into the Teen Titans show back in 2003. So like the original cartoon. And my dad was like, oh, well, I'll show you a bunch of those things because I grew up with that back in the 80s. So he gave me a whole bunch of different comics to read of the original Teen Titans by Marv Wolfman and George Perez. And that always really stuck out to me. And then I have like several different graphic novels that I've read, like My Favorite Thing is Monsters, Into the Woods, um, Mouse, obviously. Uh, uh, I love Mouse. Blankets. Um, there's a whole bunch of different graphic novels that I really love, but I think my true love is really into superheroes. Oh, cool. A lot of people I, I've known over the years have been into superheroes. I, I think, like, especially in, in this day and age, you know, I, not just with, like, the advent of superhero movies and all, but I think there's a huge advent for superheroes nowadays. Not that that's the, the only thing people are, are into now in terms of comics, but... That seems to be one of, like, the biggest hotspots for graphic novelists nowadays. Yeah, I mean, like, there's obviously, like, your personal stories, like your Jillian Tamakis, but you definitely get a lot of, like, deconstructions on the genre or utilizing the genre to to actually tell a a different story about, well, we're talking about autism here, so, like, (laughs) I would definitely write a superhero story that has, like, a metaphor for autism in it. Do you think Scott Pilgrim's a superhero? 
No, he dated a 16-year-old, so uh. he's not allowed to be a superhero. Uh. <laughs> Sorry, Scott's a creep. Uh, oh, well. Here's a curious question. What do you think of the controversial topic of, like, don't trace anything? I think don't trace anything is such a bad idea because you definitely learn through tracing things. And also, like, as someone who's coming from comics, there's a whole entire field of comics that's literally dedicated to tracing things, and it's called <laughs> inking. Ooh, there you go. I'll say this, though, especially, like, from an animation background, because if you know the process of rotoscoping, that's also tracing. But I would argue that, like, there's nothing wrong with tracing something if it's, like, your own like let's say you're you're tracing an image of stuff that's around your environments or all that or you know your family members let's say you you trace like i don't know uh, a still image from a wonder woman comic or captain marvel like whatever but it's just part of your personal collection and you use that to sort of like see oh this is how like these curvy linear lines work oh this is how these shapes work and then you can apply that to your own skills and sort of expand further yeah, I think that tracing can be used as a learning tool, and I think that also, especially for comic artists, it saves time with backgrounds, as long as you're taking, like, your own photographs and stuff like that. Yeah, just don't take any photographs of uh, concentration camps. Looking at you, Disney. <laughs> yeah, jeez. <sighs> All right. So going into where you, you are now, um, especially having now graduated from college, being a sort of somewhat of a self-employed artist, how has it been trying to create your own work independently, especially without really having to worry about the stress that college pours on its students? You know, I think we had had like a brief discussion about this the other day, but as a person who needs a sort of set routine and needs like smaller projects to keep my brain busy, it's actually been really hard because mm. like, as a self-employed artist, you have to, like, make your own hours, and it's really hard to not just be working 24-7 and piling on different ideas and projects and things you want to do but can't actually get to. Yeah. Because, um, like, the college stress is, like, totally removed, but then you have the life stress that comes in and takes over it. Oh, yeah. With, like, paying your rent and your doctor bills and your, well, in my case, my health care and like you know all those things so you you have to like find a way to fill in your work time and if you're working as an artist that means doing commissions doing freelance work so um i've been trying to like do all of those at the same time that i'm working on a huge project right. and it's been hard but I've, I've made some really good progress at least like the last month or so yeah that patreon is growing ever so slowly yeah. <laughs> but I totally get what, what you mean. I, it's so weird once, like, in the short run, it's re relieving when you're done with, with college and you can be like, oh, thank God. But then, of course, you got to, like, you know, as, as you said, move on to your normal life. And it can be twice as stressful. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, especially with COVID and everything, you think that you're going to graduate college and you're going to like start working on your projects immediately and then everything's going to fly by and, and all that and you'll just magically be able to pick up a routine and do that stuff. But like, especially as an autistic person, um, I need like a routine that's just 
there. So, yeah. like, I've been trying to get a part-time retail job just to have the daily structure. I think that'll come pretty handy once uh, retail is a lot more open to people during the vaccination process. Right, yeah. I've been looking at art stores and stuff and being like, you know, <laughs> if I work here, I could get a discount. Yeah, that works. <laughs> yeah, it's not even for the money. I just want the routine. <laughs> <laughs> we'll wait and see what happens. <laughs> yeah. So, uh... Going into your personal work, um, one of your passion projects is the planned-out graphic novel Skuldasak. Without exposing too many of the details, what exactly would you say the project is about? Okay, so Skuldasak is a middle-grade mystery horror graphic novel about two boys, Batboy and Robbie, who <laughs> are boy detectives and they are solving the mysteries of their town, Hollowbrook, with a friend that they made named Vanessa, who they find out is part of the cult that is making all these weird things happen in their town. Ooh. Is the cult happening in the cult of the sack? Yeah. Nice. Ooh, I guess you gave away a spoiler. <laughs> It's a little bit of a spoiler, at least for the first book. Um, you find out that she may not be trustworthy, but, like, you know, you'll grow to love her and stuff like that. Right. It kind of makes me think of, like, oh, I can't think of, like, a specific example, but, but like, a lot of uh, book series made, like, targeted towards, like, as you said, a, a middle-grade audience where this one kid that you, you don't quite trust, but, like, as the book goes on, it, you feel, like, disturbed but intrigued at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, she's obviously a sympathetic character, and she's also coded as being autistic, and then there's also another character who is stated to be autistic within the book as well. So there's parallels between those two characters. Ooh. Ooh, speaking of autistic coding, um, how do you plan to code them in a way that's, like, a bit more subtle and in a way where the audience can, like, sort of pick up on their own as opposed to, like, just outright saying, hey, I'm autistic, love me, or, or something. Well, I think that that is hard because you don't want to play into stereotypes, but exactly. I think about, like, some of the things that were used to diagnose me, which was, like, a social anxiety and, like, an inability to sort of fit in with people who were my peers, as well as, like, the big thing, which is emotional dysregulation. And I've represented that with Vanessa through her, like, fire powers. Oh, cool. And that she's, like, at a distance from other people because she physically is very, very hot to the touch <laughs> and when she's upset she can't control her powers i get you hot to the, the touch Ooh, isn't that kind of like rogue from x-men where you can literally not touch her and that makes her kind of miserable a little bit yeah like you can't touch her or she'll like gain your powers or kill you Ooh. so she has to wear gloves all the time but uh vanessa is just like hot to the touch so she's very physically warm Oh, cool. I can somehow, like, already see these characters just, like, working on their own. Like, their personalities are just speaking for themselves. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, and maybe I'm also saying that out of excitement. Like, when's it coming out? <laughs> Soon. I've been thumbnailing a whole bunch of the pages, and once I have some finished pages, I have somebody in mind that I want to pitch to. Oh, cool. 
don't spoil that. <laughs> right, right. I'm not going to spoil what's going on or anything, but just like, right. it's coming. It's it's coming soon. Stay tuned, nerds. <laughs> right. Now, going into the topic of autism itself, if I got this correct, you were actually diagnosed fairly late in your life. In fact, I believe last year, which is actually pretty common for um, young women on the spectrum, let alone young adults. So in any way, has knowing about that factor now made any difference in your growth as not just an artist, but a person in general? Well, I've had a, like, a kind of unique um, circumstance in that both my parents are disabled. My dad is hard of hearing or like legally deaf. And then my mom is physically disabled. She uses a cane to move around. But I also have a brother who is autistic and has higher support needs. So I've always kind of been like, you know, we talk about autism awareness. I've always been aware of autism. <laughs> and I also have several cousins who are also on the spectrum and present in different ways. And we've always really related to each other. And it's one of those things where I knew that autism could present itself in different ways. I knew that there were higher support needs and lower support needs. I knew about special interests and all these different things. I just didn't recognize it in myself until I actually had a psychiatrist be like, hey, you need to get evaluated, you are autistic. And I think the main thing that changed is that like in my personal life, I can like forgive myself for things that happened in the past or different ways that I was and can see looking back on it like, oh, I wasn't like wrong or broken or being a bad kid. It was just that I was autistic and nobody knew. And now I can like kind of accept myself as a person. And I think artistically, I get more in touch with my characters and I'm able to make more representation for people who are like me. And I also can just tell more stories because I've gotten to that point where I can accept my process and my writing and all the different things about me. That's really cool. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I think that's actually something that a lot of people, I never mind myself, I've known a lot of people on the spectrum, whether it be like personal friends or just creatives in general, where the second you realize that they're on the spectrum and you see their work, all of a sudden it just makes so much sense. I think even um, Tim Burton is on the spectrum and that, that explains so much, right? Right. So like with that in mind, and since you are making something for a specific media, like which is, I guess is like entertainment anyway, but part of the problem with how autism has been represented over the years is actually how the media showcases it, especially with a lot of representation either being used just for, for like crass comedy or misguided attempts at telling people like, hey, this is all about people on the spectrum. Uh-oh, it's not actually faithful. So... As someone on the spectrum, and I guess you've already kind of like delved into it a, a bit anyway, but how do you plan to go about depicting the subject into your own content, be it scolded sack or something else? Well, it's interesting that you mentioned like something else because I have like another graphic novel that I've been working on on the side as well called mm. Changeling. Oh, yeah. Um, which is, yeah, yeah. It's, it's all about like my personal experience with being late diagnosed as a woman and how going through a pandemic at the same time affects you and stuff like that. And it is something that I can only represent my experience or how I view it. 
but I think that it's more accurate than a neurotypical person representing it because they rely on stereotypes and they kind of are like, oh, well, they're just like Sheldon Cooper or, or Sam Gardner from Atypical and that's it. Not to vent, but fuck Sheldon. Fuck Sheldon. Jim Parsons, I love you, but I hate Sheldon. <laughs> Honestly, he's really aggravating because I feel like this impotence for people to excuse a whole bunch of bad behavior by just saying like, oh, this person's autistic, so they don't yep. have to do this or that. And then in real life, nobody ever gives us any leeway, just in fiction. It's so stupid as well. Like I see, you have no idea how refreshing it was. Like as a relatively young tyke to read the book, The Curious Case of the Dog in the Nighttime and be like, see... That's all I'm asking for. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, it was actually a story told from the perspective of an autistic person. But, like, I see stories, like, um, I watch pretty much everything that has autism mentioned in it or is, like, has an autistic character or an autistic person is playing the character. Like, I just scour media for that. And I always did that even when I was younger and it was always something that I was very interested in, in the sense that, like, I have a little brother with autism, and then later I found out that I have autism, and I always thought it was just like, oh, yeah, I just care a lot about my brother. And then I also realized, looking back, it was a way of understanding myself, too. And I think I've run into so many different problematic tropes that I just am like, oh, I have to avoid this, I have to avoid that. Um <laughs> And I think that the most, like, authentic thing to do is to just create a character, give them a couple of traits of, like, maybe they're anxious or they don't connect with other people or they have self-esteem issues, and then develop your character, develop their intricacies and quirks and really get to know them, and then later you can decide for yourself whether or not they're autistic. But if you are going into it with the intention of, I'm going to make an autistic character, I think sometimes that kind of trips people up because they just are like, how do I create an autistic character? Well, we got two options, Sheldon Cooper from Big Bang Theory or Peridot from Steven Universe. <laughs> or Entrepta from Shira, Who's just Peridot as well. <laughs> Basically, you know, honestly, I think one of the best representations of autism I've seen, and we talked about this before, but um, the Pixar short film uh, Loop, which is basically about this like chatterbox extroverted kid being paired up with this introverted, like almost non-speaking uh, girl who uses her phone to sort of like not communicate around the world, but just to go around it. And it's really interesting that not only was the voice actress of the girl autistic, but if you look at the production, they actually had to re record in her home instead of the, the Pixar studio because it was more accommodating for her. And it's like, you know, just those little extra steps really go a long ways. Right. I mean, it is really, really important to give like autistic roles to actual autistic people. I know that there are definitely some movies and some TV shows that I can think of that don't really do that. And I find them to be, like, just a little bit inauthentic. A little um, bit? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't say a little bit. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, there's only one that I've ever seen that actually did it correctly. And I think that's just because Dakota Fanning is a really great actress. <laughs> and that's Please Stand By. I don't, think, um, I don't think I've seen that. It's a hard watch at first because it's about an autistic woman who lives in a group home and her special interest is Star Trek. And she writes a script for a movie that is centered around Spock. Mm. And it goes into like Spock's autistic coding as well, mm. um, which I thought was really interesting. And it explains like, her desire for independence and it's an agency story which is always really good but um i would have liked it to have been played by an autistic actress yeah i mean i guess like the filmmakers handled it better than another movie that came out this year we're not even going to talk about it (laughs) oh god no we're not talking about that folks if you don't know what we're talking about you are a lucky person (laughs) Uh, jeez. But, yeah, so, like, um, I don't know if you know the show. It's literally called On the Spectrum. It's this Israeli sort of, like, situational comedic drama show about these young adults who are on the spectrum and just trying to live life. My mom and I saw a few episodes, and I guess it was pretty authentic. I don't know if the actors themselves were autistic or not, but they were actually pretty decent representations i think they were pretty well thought out in terms of their distinctive characters and i actually ended up feeling kind of bad for for them a lot of the time yeah i've heard of that but i haven't seen it yet um i'm currently watching a show called everything's gonna be okay which is about this family this guy from australia comes and is visiting his like half sisters and his dad and then his dad dies and he has to take care of them and one of the sisters is autistic and she's played by an autistic actress oh cool it's also really funny i mean it sounds like it's not funny but (laughs) like it's actually very humorous what streaming service is it on? Hulu. Oh, cool. I'll give it a watch. Among the many other shows I know for a fact I have to watch. Yeah, there's so many, but I guess, you know, there's time now, so. Is there? Yeah. Time waits for no one. <laughs> so, actually, speaking of uh, representation and the arts, where do you actually see the future of autism representation heading in, I guess, just how society depicts it artistically? I think, like, the future is kind of now, you know, I've seen a lot more books coming out by autistic authors who are talking about, like, uh, there was a middle grade graphic novel that was about two autistic detectives, and one of them is non-speaking and communicates with her iPad and uses it to solve mysteries, There's another one that is not a graphic novel, but a novel that I got recently. It's a called Show Us Who You Are by Elle McNichol. And she's an autistic author, and she is writing about a young autistic girl who discovers a eugenicist AI plot. And it's like Black Mirror for middle school kids. Oh, cool. It's really good. Nice. And we're starting to see that autistic people are having agency over our own stories. And we're starting to see a demand for autistic representation in the acting field. And the only thing that I think is like still catching up is the illustration and animation fields. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think part of it is the stereotype 
that autistic people are like really into math and science and that's it. Which isn't entirely true, but... I mean, I'm fascinated by some scientific things and I definitely have memorized scientific knowledge before, specifically <laughs> about rats, because they're my favorite animal. Nice. But wait, 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 wait. Is your favorite movie Ratatouille? <laughs> actually, it's Ben. Oh, I gotta watch that. That's been on my watch list forever. It's really good. It's really good. <laughs> I have a lot of favorite movies, to be honest, but that's my favorite <laughs> rat movie. Nice. I think when it comes to autism representation, people are starting to see that we need to move away from the idea of the like straight white male Sheldon Cooper kind of an asshole autistic yeah. guy, you know? Yeah, it's, especially when there's like a good chunk of representation in other characters now. Although, I don't know, speaking of straight white males, is, is Steven Universe autistic? I don't know. Sure, I think you could definitely read him that way. Yeah. I guess Peridot's more autistic, <laughs> as you said. <laughs> yeah, that's the character that people generally latch on to. <laughs> Kid Cosmic is ADHD representation. Oh my god, that's it! I wouldn't be so surprised if he was also autistic. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either. <laughs> we'll just turn this podcast into a praise of Kid Cosmic. <laughs> <laughs> neurodivergency and, and there's right. a comorbidity between autism and adhd right right this explains everything but jim carrey has adhd oh that makes sense yeah <laughs> yeah that makes sense that checks out <laughs> he has oh. the particles for it <laughs> wait no i know my favorite autistic character in media spongebob you know i actually drew him for 30 days of autistic art Oh, cool. I think that the most recent one you've drawn at the time we're recording this is Daria. Yes. Can I confess? Yeah, sure. I've seen a lot of Beavis and Butthead, and I've never seen one episode of Daria. That makes sense for you, to be honest. <laughs> but yeah, going into like the 30 days autism thing, like, personally, I'm not doing it because I'm already burnt out from uh, that February thing, and also because I, I want to focus on other projects, but that aside... um. Seeing, like, all those different characters being represented is really fascinating in their own right. And it kind of shows you how, like, a lot of characters that you didn't think of before, like, being all autistic, you look at them and go, you know what? That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I really like seeing everybody's different ideas. And I've always had my ideas. So getting, like, that feedback from other people where they're like, oh, yeah, this makes sense. Or... I never thought about it that way. That's so cool. You know, it's it's really nice. Totally. How much do you, you want to bet Shaggy from Scooby-Doo is on the spectrum? Oh, yeah. I mean, he has, like, a personality that reminds me a lot of my brother, actually. His best friend is a talking dog. That pretty much checks out. <laughs> yeah. And he's a, also a stoner that, that eats Scooby snacks, so <laughs> checks out, too. Yeah, I can see that. Yep. So, um, with all the representation aside, in a day and age where it's become a lot easier for people to work on their own personal projects, whether it be their own work outside of their normal jobs or a script for a movie about a character on the spectrum, what advice can you give to, to people wanting to make their own work as self-employed artists? Um, if anyone else has advice for me, I'd love it, but... <laughs> 
like to be serious, I think the best advice that I can give is schedule yourself downtime oh, because yeah. at some point you do need to take a break. Like yes, work is hard. Personal work is even harder because there's a lot of pressure to make it perfect because you don't want like your babies to be something that's heavily criticized or um, lambasted or anything (laughs) like that. So you're going to try and work overtime and and make it as like special as possible. But you need to take time for you because if you don't take time for you, then it's never going to be as good as you think it's going to be. I think I would also like add on to that, especially as someone who's like had just as much negative criticism over the years as positive. I think like mostly negative, but really distinguish whether it's criticism or or just full on like attacks or anything. Like, I don't know if if that's the the right word, but like, just like make sure you distinguish which ones are like from people who are giving you genuine advice and those who are just like, oh, this sucks. Oh, you you suck. Because at the end of the day, that doesn't really matter. And I guess like in this day and age, it's kind of hard for people to take criticism and not that that's necessarily a bad thing. But I think also at the same time, you should just step back and go, you know what? They can have their thoughts, but I'm just going to do the best that I can. Yeah, you have to take criticism with a grain of salt. You have to be able to evaluate, is this genuine criticism or is this just hate? Yeah. You can also like um, take it with the biggest grain of salt. I remember um, a friend of mine and I were actually interviewing the lead character designer on Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. And he told us something that always stuck to me because he actually brought up a time where someone was just ruthless towards the character designs of that movie like they loathe those character designs they're like this is ugly why would anyone make this blah 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 and instead of being like oh whatever uh instead he went wow he really doesn't like this i'm intrigued (laughs) (laughs) honestly i think more people should do that instead of being like oh whatever just be like huh okay what's um what's on this person's mind (laughs) if somebody I think, like, also, too, like, let's say Skull of the Sack gets released to the, the public, and it, there are people who love it and people who hate it. If there's people who are, like, just viscerally attacking it, just look at them and be like, wow, y'all are fascinating. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I think it's going to be, like, hated by parents because <laughs> it has, like, an element of um, criticism towards the educational system and how oh, yes. it, like disadvantages disabled kids i hate education so much yeah i have a lot of problems with it even though i love to learn and i love learning new things i think that the education system disincentivizes people who actually love to learn and they also like with gifted programs and stuff like that they like kind of prey on kids who are neurodivergent who have like adhd or autism and give them burnout Oh yeah, it's really disgusting. And honestly though, as long as you're like honest about how you feel, no one who's like, eh, this is bad, no one who says that is even going to care. So why care about them? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't care if parents are like, this is anti-education. <laughs> like, so are kids. <laughs> the parents the parents deserve it. You want to blame a good chunk of the problems on the world today? Parents. Love you, you mom and dad. <laughs> <laughs> So, like, to summarize, like, I think what you and I are trying to say is that not even advice to just self-employed artists, but just to people in general, like, take in the criticism as much as the positive feedback, but don't get, like, too wrapped up in it. 
you know, this is something that even I'm still trying to learn as much as possible. Like, no matter what someone says about you, they don't really know you entirely. That's where I think things start to get a little too real. It's like, why would you want to know what a person's like? My biggest advice is just to give yourself a break. I mean, like, honestly, give yourself a real physical break. Take a bath. <laughs> eat dinner. Like, don't overwork yourself. It's going to be fine. Just watch that favorite movie of yours that you haven't seen in 10 years. What's that? You say every critic in the world hated it? Who gives a fuck? It's still your favorite, right? Yeah, I mean, take the time to enjoy the rest of the world. I mean, your project is still going to be there. You don't have, like, a time limit. No. Some creative projects have taken, like, years to, to make. Like, I know, I guess this is, like, a more controversial example, but um, even... Uh, Hasbin Hotel was in production for like two years before it finally got released. Yeah, I mean, like, I was thinking of, um, oh man, Thief and the Cobbler. Ooh. The funny thing is it was finished, but like, ugh, the story is so fucking complicated. <laughs> like, but fortunately, the, the movie can be seen in its original light thanks to uh, restoration historian Garrett Gilchrist. Yeah, and stuff like that, I think they're just projects, and they're still in that project state, and even though it's taken years and years, they're still, like, wonderful experiences. One of my first interviewees was uh, former Simpsons animator Craig Clark, and he kind of makes his own, like, side movies called The Custom Monsters. Right now, he's on the third movie. Oh, wow. <laughs> but anyway, um, so actually, to wrap this whole thing up... And I've asked this to pretty much my guest prior. So for your case, Danny, be it personal or professional, what would you say have been both the toughest and proudest moments in your growth as an illustrator and just like a person kind of coping with um, being on the spectrum in general? I think the toughest and hardest, but like also the proudest moment is like actually graduating Micah because... I didn't think that I could do it. <laughs> like, you know, I learned that I was autistic and I already knew the statistic that four out of five people who are on the spectrum don't graduate college. Oh. And I had already struggled a lot with college and I didn't have any accommodations or anything like that. And so it was very, it was very hard. But when I actually graduated and I was actually done, especially because I graduated when COVID actually hit, it was really tough, but I was also super proud. And now I have the bachelor's degree, like my diploma on my wall and everything. And nice. it feels like, okay, cool. Now my life can start. <laughs> that's like one chapter in your life that's concluded. And now you can finally move on to the real world. Yeah, but it's also like a pin in my accomplishment because like all of the years that it took me to get up to this point, I've struggled with like independence and being able to actually get to the point where I could graduate college and figuring out that I was autistic and then being able to be like, oh, okay, so now I know what to do. And I think that being able to get to that point is just such a monumental representation of how I have become independent. I have been able to do all these things that even some neurotypical people can't do. Oh yeah, like a lot of people really don't give enough credit to atypical people in terms of their accomplishments. I, we've already mentioned a few, but like there's probably like a thousand people like Daryl Hannah, 
Temple Grandin, um, a lot of famous women on the spectrum, more than men, I would say. But it seems like, especially nowadays, it, it just seems really good to acknowledge where we were in the past versus where we are now. Like stuff like um, Life Animated will live on forever compared to Rain Man or something. Right. And beyond that, too, like, we're both young adults. We're probably scared to death in terms of what the future holds. I know I am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, that's kind of what makes it weirdly fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I thought I would be more scared. Like, I was scared to graduate. Like, what am I going to do with my life? And then it happens, and then you're just kind of like, oh, I'm really, really proud of myself for being able to do this. Yeah, and hey, there's a lot of agents opening up now. It's like, hey, come on in. The water's fine. Come look at me, agents. <laughs> I don't know any specific agents, but like, shout out to Agent Podcast if there's a podcast for agencies. If there is, I would like to know about it. <laughs> Recommend us some, please. <laughs> yes. But anyway, uh, that should actually wrap this up for the time being. But before we officially conclude, Danny, where can people find your stuff? You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and my website at Gloomy Punks. And then my website is DannyCloverFlick.com. Nice. You should market that stuff more. I should. I should. (laughs) Well, it's okay because you're just getting started. Yep. Thank you. (laughs) No problem. And until next time, folks, that'll wrap this up. But uh, check out some of Danny's work. Uh, Check out some more media that represents autism. Don't watch the bad ones. But until next time, next time you're freaking out, breathe it out. Bye. Thank you for having me on. No problem. Bye.